Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in an empty yet sunny capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Bill Newton, Managing Director at Impact Rugby UK, an Australian-based rugby company who is responsible for the United Kingdom Territory. Bill, hello. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, now, normally we dive straight in uh, to our conversation on leadership. However, considering the circumstances, um, I believe it's important that we touch on the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak. How sure. has that affected your business? Well, it's uh, stopped it completely, really, to be honest with you. As a sports-based business, um, we would rely at this time of year on tours, sevens competitions, uh, the rugby league season started, so there would be kits available there. So more or less, in terms of, uh, of, of any business, it's completely stopped. Now, have you adjusted to be able to work from home uh, with your staff, or is everyone just, just on their own at the moment? Well, we, we can. I mean, obviously, there's very little doing. Uh, there's very little happening in, in terms of any action. Um, there's no problem with my being able to work from home. Um, and in terms of staff, well, I've, I've kept the business to to a minimum of uh, of staff. Um, I had a previous business, a rugby business called Cougar, um, which uh, employed about 50 plus people. So I didn't want to do that this time. So I've kept it to mainly uh, people who I can switch on and off, if you like. So outside sources and outsource the uh, various functions. So at this moment in time, the business is just still. Now, let's move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start this conversation off by asking a very simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? I think it's someone who inspires, um, certainly someone who communicates very well, uh, but most of all, someone who listens. Now, communication, of course, is essential uh, when dealing with uh, your staff members. How would you describe your personal leadership style? Well, I, I try to keep things as simple as possible. Uh, keep instruction simple, keep the message simple, and then then your goal becomes more achievable. Um, I always, uh, in my previous businesses, I tried to have a very flat management structure whereby if good people in their job and area and not and don't have lots of layers of management so that if a question wants to be asked it and just come and ask me and get an answer quickly that means you've become light on your feet you can react um, and you aren't bogged down with lots of layers of people getting disappointed because they haven't been consulted about something so if you employ good people then you should take notice of them now, uh, as it begins at employment, how do you screen through uh, candidates? Uh, what are the telltale signs you're looking for? I'm always looking for somebody who, well, as I said, communicates what they what they want, the message that they want to, to tell you about themselves. I think it's important that people have other interests outside work as well. So if you get a diverse uh, character and people then proved to be I look for adaptability as well people who can think on a feet I think that's important now let's move back to the very beginning of your career when you first started out your working life 
Were there any yeah. particular influences on you, uh, whether they be an individual that you worked with or for, or uh, maybe a set of circumstances that shaped you as you are today? Yes, I mean, I worked, uh, I started my, my life in, in, uh, in the clothing trade, in manufacturing for Marks and Spencer. Um, I worked for a, a company called Bentwood Brothers in Manchester, and the, I had a boss, a, a guy called Peter Kenworthy, who influenced me quite a lot. I, his style was very direct, he was very strong, a good leader, and somebody who you wanted to follow. So I, I, I found him to be a great influence on me through that. Um, and as I, as I progressed on, there was one or two similar sorts of characters that I met. Um, I worked for Umbro, the, uh, the sportswear company, um, in the late 80s and early 90s. I was employed there by a guy called Peter Kenyon, who went on to be uh, chief executive at Man United and Chelsea. Um, he, he was a very strong character, Peter, uh, and I learned quite a lot from him. Now, when it comes to that learning that you did, do you try and pass those lessons on to those you work on today, uh, work with today? Yeah, I, well, I, I think the thing is to be a positive influence. All the people who I found who um, who I looked up to uh, or who were strong or who I wanted to emulate or I learned lessons from were always strong characters. Um, and I think it's important to be a strong character without being overbearing but somebody has to leave, and usually whoever is the leader is the strongest character I've found. Let's talk about mentorship. Uh, do you offer any sort of mentorship programs within uh, your organization? Not specifically, no, um, to be honest with you. I mean, since I've since I finished, a, I sold the Cougar business uh, in 2009. And I've done. I did some consultancy before I started uh, Impact. And, and if anybody wants to ask me a question, <laughs> I'm quite happy to help them now. Um, and I think it's, if people ask you a question in terms of mentoring, it's important to give them an honest answer. Be as straight as you can with people, um, so that they they get to the truth of what you're trying to say to them, rather than going around the houses about it. Well, let's talk about uh, leaders through history. Uh, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, gosh. Tricky I mean, certainly I in my... Yeah, Trigger Mary. Yeah. I mean, certainly in my lifetime in the UK, I think Margaret Thatcher was probably... I mean, everybody will shoot me down and, and, and many people didn't like Margaret Thatcher, but there was un, undeniably no doubt who was leading the country and the party at, at that stage. So in terms of leadership, she, she exemplified all the things that are probably great in a leader and probably some of the things that are not great. But I think, I think she was a, a very, very strong character, certainly in, in my lifetime in this country. Do you feel um, that you could employ um, any of her leadership techniques on business? Well, I, I, think, I think her strongest characteristic was that she had a vision of what she wanted to do and she wasn't prepared to deviate from it. Um, and I think that in business, the you know, the mission statement, or whatever, to make it very grand, but to, to have the idea that you, where you want to go and how you want to get there, you need to stick to that. Stick to the plan. Um, because if you stick to it, you can always, you can always deviate from it and have a look at something else and try something else, listen to other opinions, because that's what you employ people for. There's no point in employing people if you're not going to listen to them to some degree. But being able to stick to the plan, I think, is very important. Uh, I found that in my business life. And, and if you look at sport, for instance, which I've obviously always been involved in, it, you, 
that's very important there. Stick to the plan. So it comes down uh, to consistency. Very much so, I think. All the successful leaders, I think, would all have that in common. They'd be good listeners, they'd be good communicators, they'd be consistent in the message. Uh, and the same would be true of, of great of great sporting achievements, always consistent. Um, you know, consistency of players, consistency of personnel, all those things, I think, lead to uh, lead to a good performance. Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. Uh, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Impact Rugby? Well, I think it'll be... Um, I think things will get back to normal. Um, and once sport kicks in again, people are still going to need product. Um, I think that's important. At this stage, we've got some quite interesting things going on. Uh, an interesting partner in South Africa. We've got a partner in France. Um, and my opposite number in Australia is reasonably keen to try and expand the business. So if we can uh, get the right funding, uh, I think I think there's a real opportunity uh, to, to have a go a little bit like I did with the Cougar Rugby brand to have a go again and try and see if, if we can uh, if we, I mean the marketplace has changed quite a lot but you have to adapt to that and uh, work, with, work with what is the new marketplace but I think there's a real opportunity for uh, as I used to say a sexy rugby brand to come back round and Impact Rugby may well be there Well uh, Bill it's been an absolute pleasure discussing uh, leadership with you and I very much hope that you can come back on the program when things are back up and Uh, at Full Tilt. Uh, Bill, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. That was Bill Newton, Managing Director at Impact Rugby UK. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. 
he um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. Um, me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, well, I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top; is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now 
but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system and if you've got people like that in the organisation one thing I have learned and I've taken it on in my life my family you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it you, you get them out and Alf I think was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff and I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time and is there do you think uh, a, a specific moment I'm sure there's probably dozens but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh so Alf, so uh, sharply. Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that. It looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out our mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were a, a bunch of very hard nosed professional uh, top quality people, and that was again the leadership that I'll show you, you got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, 
Uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I think, can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Uh, um, and again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps 
there are there are people that pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who. Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just... Luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leading. So he'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they've they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, hmm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of 
not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, I'm, when it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely, and I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't? go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if it's, these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm. I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.